If you have a copy of God's Word this morning, I encourage you to open up with me to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, as we have these past few weeks, I want to remind us of this truth, and it's this, that the Gospel is resilient, the Word of God cannot be stopped, and the local church is alive and well in these trying times. My name is Aaron. I have the privilege of serving here as the teaching pastor at Living Hope Columbus. And as I said earlier, we are so glad that you've tuned in with us today. Like I said, if you have a Bible, open up with me to Luke 24. Grab an ink pen and a notebook. If you are a note taker, Luke chapter 24. We're going to read together verses 1 through 6. If you want to stand with me wherever you are this morning, whether in your home, at work, wherever you find yourself, Luke 24 verses 1 through 6. God's Word says this, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb preparing the spices that they had brought. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and they went in, but they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified and bowed to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Asked the men. He is not here, but he has risen. Let's pray. Jesus, Lord, thank you again for this day, for the reason we celebrate, God, for the opportunity we have to gather all over the place, Lord. We are, we are, are not uh, broken down as a church in this time, God. We are simply scattered for your purposes. Jesus, I pray today that the gospel goes forth all over the globe for your glory, that people meet Jesus for your glory, and that the kingdom of God is expanded for your glory. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. As we look at Luke chapter 24, I'm reminded this week, every Easter, that we look at the same story every year. Friends, as we approach Luke 24 today, the reality is it's the same cross. The reality is it's the same tomb. It's the same events. It's the exact same resurrection. And the temptation and struggle, I think, for most of us as we approach these familiar stories each year is we want to have a fresh spin on the familiar. We want to see some new creative take on this moment in history. Because the fear is is that in familiarity, that something will lose its significance. But this Easter season, the Lord has reminded me over and over of this truth that I want to remind you of as well as we approach these familiar events today. And it's this, that the resurrection is enough. That this Easter season, the resurrection is enough for you and me. This moment in history, this familiar story that we look back upon every Easter Sunday is literally the climax and the pinnacle of the Christian faith. It's this moment that we celebrate today that serves as the center stage of all Scripture. It's this moment that you and I are celebrating this morning that changes everything. And thank Jesus because of this moment that we celebrate. My soul has been rescued for eternity. And my relationship with God restored. And I pray yours has too. Friends, I'm here to tell you today that because of this moment, Jesus saved my soul because he rose from the grave and I have never gotten over it. The resurrection is enough. 
We enter this story here in Luke 24, this moment of history shortly after Jesus has risen from the grave. Just a few days before this moment, we saw that the religious establishment during this time attempted to flex their power and might over Jesus. They, cr- they cried blasphemy over what he was doing. How dare Jesus would claim to be God? They cried treason over him. How dare he claim to be the king? A criminal by all regards in their minds. They took Jesus and hung him on a cross. And the Bible says that the sin debt of all mankind, past, present, and future, was laid upon the shoulders of Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin for you and me. And God's eternal wrath was poured out upon him. But with Jesus' final breath, he said these words, it is finished, and he gave up his spirit for you and I. We celebrated on Friday, remembered and reflected on the truth that they placed him in a tomb that Friday. But friends, remember today, a lot can happen in three days. Because while Friday had the sting of death, here on Sunday, we get to celebrate. Look with me again at verse 1 in Luke 24. On the first day of the week, that's Sunday, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb bringing spices they had prepared. Before the sun has risen, we see in this gospel and the other gospels as well, that Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and then some other unnamed women, they head to the tomb where Jesus's body had been laid just a few days before. Their intention was to go and to finish the embalming process that they had started on Friday, they rested from on Saturday, and now Sunday they were going to finish it. But with the shadow of death still lingering over that tomb, what these women found was unexpected. Look at verse 2 again. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. In this exact same account, when Matthew writes his gospel about this story, Matthew gives a little bit more detail as to what happened in this event. Matthew tells us that an angel literally descended down from heaven with clothing that was as white as snow and an appearance like lightning. I can't imagine what this looked like. Matthew tells us a violent earthquake occurred. The ground shook and the guards that were placed in front of that tomb were so shaken with fear by what they were experiencing that they fell to the ground like dead men. And then with authority from heaven, that angel rolled away the stone and sat and perched himself right on top of it. Hey, listen to this truth today. This is important on Easter. That angel did not move the stone so that Jesus could get out of the tomb. That angel moved that stone, rather, so that we could see into the tomb that Jesus was not there. Look at verse 3. They went in, those women went into the tomb, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. They approached the tomb with the expectation of finding Jesus still dead because they didn't believe what he had said several times before that on that third day he would rise. And the reality is they actually forgot about the resurrection. John 20 says that when they went into the tomb, the only thing that they found still remaining in that tomb was Jesus's grave clothing. Why did Jesus leave that there? Because if you're alive, you don't need the clothing of the dead. Jesus had risen. If you've defeated death and you're clothed in glory, you don't need grave clothes. 
So Jesus left them behind to remind everybody, even you and I to this day as we read Luke 24, that death didn't have the last word. Jesus did. And that's why we celebrate today. Verse 4. While they were perplexed about this, obviously, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. Can you imagine their confusion here? They were at the cross on Friday. They saw Jesus die. They witnessed him taking his last breath. They embalmed the first portion of his body and placed it in that tomb. They had seen everything. They saw the stone rolled in front of it. They saw it all. But on Sunday, Jesus wasn't there. And in the midst of their confusion, these angels engaged them in conversation. What an experience. Look at verse 5. So the women were terrified, obviously, again. And they bowed to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Asked these men. In the midst of this confusion, so many questions. They're confronted with these two angels who, in Jewish culture, they had very high reverence for angelic beings. So these women, upon seeing angels hit their faces, similar to the guards, but these women didn't pass out in fear. These women were being reverent to what they were seeing. I think it's interesting, too, the word here that we translate terrified in verse 5 to describe what they were feeling is actually the, where we get our English word phobia. Literally means that they were shaking with fear. They were terrified. They were phobic in this situation. Listen, tombs are for dead people. And Jesus wasn't dead. He was and he is alive. And that's what the angel is communicating to these women. Death couldn't be him. Look at what they say in verse 6. Friends, I would argue that this is the greatest statement in the entire Bible. Verse 6. He is not here. But he has risen. That's why we celebrate today. That's why we gather in our homes. That's why we're all around our TVs this morning. That's why we have computers sitting on kitchen tables. That's why we have cell phones right now that we're looking at. We are gathered with the church globally today because of verse 6. That Jesus isn't here. He has risen. The tomb is empty. And Jesus is on His throne. As I close and we transition to some more worship. Let me remind us of a couple truths here. That without the resurrection, it's enough. But if Jesus didn't come back on that third day, everything we do is useless. Without the resurrection, if Jesus didn't rise, you and I are hopeless. You see, when Jesus died on that cross on Friday, the sin debt was paid. Praise God. But when Jesus resurrected on Sunday, eternity was secure. You see, sin makes us lifeless. We are spiritually dead people because of sin. But because of Jesus, we are invited by the creator of the universe to be spiritually alive again and live forever in a place called heaven. Friends, in just a moment, I want to share with you very clearly today how you can ensure that you move from lifelessness to life in Christ and secure an eternal home in heaven. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thanks again for this day. Father, thank you for the reason we celebrate. God, I pray we never get over Jesus. I pray we never get over the resurrection. I pray we never get over Easter. God, as we continue to sing to you today, I pray our words are a sweet sound to heaven. 
and that they echo through the corridors of your throne room because you're worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as we celebrate this Easter, as we said just a moment ago, because Jesus lives, I have the opportunity to live as well. And friends, I I really want to address the question here rather quickly of how do I start a relationship with Jesus? Maybe you're tuning into this stream today and Christianity's new to you. Maybe you've been part of a church for a while and you've never actually given your life to Jesus. But I want to show you momentarily um, how you can have assurance that you are forgiven of your sin, that you have a restored relationship with God and an eternal home called heaven waiting for you. I'm a very visual person. I like to see things drawn in in pictures. It helps me remember concepts and and ideas. And so I want to give you assurance today and show you what it means to have a relationship with Jesus simply using a small drawing of three circles today. The first circle simply shows us God's design for creation. Genesis 1, 2, and 3 says that you and I were created specifically and intentionally by the God of the universe. We're the only one of God's creation that is created in His image. God intentionally created us in His image, and with that comes the opportunity to be in relationship with Him. We see in the book of Genesis where Adam and Eve had the privilege of walking with God in the Garden of Eden Eden, in the cool evening breeze. That's what we were created to do. But the reality is, is that God also gave you and I the ability to choose. We have the ability to choose. He gave us a mind, a will, and emotions where we can choose what we want to do, but also therefore choose what we do not want to do. And with that ability to choose, mankind made the decision years ago to sin. You see, sin is simply God has standards that he has set forth in his creation. He's the creator, therefore he sets the standards. And sin is simply when we choose to disobey those standards. When we say, God, I know you said this, but rather I'm going to choose to do this instead. And friends, the reality is today, whether we want to admit it or not, if you're on the other side of this screen, myself included on this side, you and I are all sinners. And because we've sinned, our relationship with God has been fractured and separated. What was intended to be a close-knit relationship with the creator of the universe is now fractured and broken, and it leaves a void in the human heart. Solomon talks about this in Ecclesiastes. He says, eternity is written on our hearts, but the reality is, is that there's a void there where God once was. And because of that void, it leaves you and I broken. And in our brokenness, we pursue so many different things. We're trying to fill that deep need and void that we have in our hearts. We do it through many things. It could be through relationships. It could be through some sort of vocation. Maybe through money. Maybe through some sort of other outlet. You name it, we all attempt to pursue something because we want to fulfill the void that is in our heart. But the problem is is that something that is eternal can only be filled by something eternal. And since we're created in the image of God and God is no longer part of our hearts, it means there's an eternal void that can only be filled by something eternal. No matter what you try to fulfill yourself with, it will always be insufficient. 
But thank God for the gospel. Because the gospel says that although I had this eternal void, although I was separated from God forever, I deserve punishment for my sin, and I deserve to be separated from God for all eternity. You see, God had a plan in place. But from before the foundation of the world, before we were even created and before we even sinned, God had a plan. You see, 2,000 years ago, on Friday, Jesus died. And praise God, 2,000 years ago, on Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead. And because of that, you and I are invited back into relationship with God. You see, that fractured relationship that I caused because of my sin had to be dealt with. God's holy. It had to be dealt with, and I couldn't deal with it on my own. I didn't have the ability. I couldn't pay my own sin debt. So God stepped out of heaven as a man. Jesus lived 33 years perfectly, died on that cross, rose from the grave. And the Bible says if we turn from our sin, the word is repent, and believe in what Jesus did on that cross, that we can be saved. That means our relationship with God is restored. Friends, have you ever repented of your sin before and believed what Jesus did on the cross for you? The Bible says when we do that, restoration occurs. And because we've been invited back into relationship with God, we have the opportunity and the privilege to pursue a continual relationship with Him that will ultimately culminate in a place called heaven. Jesus says in John 10.10 10, that He came that we could have life and a life abundant. You know, if you invite Jesus to save your soul today, that today your life will change. That you get to begin this journey of walking with Jesus day by day, learning more about who he is, letting him change and mold your character to become more of who he desires you, be, you to be as a follower of Christ. But then we also have hope on the other side of death, that a place called heaven awaits us with Jesus forever. Friends, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, can I invite you to do that today? I'd like to lead us in a prayer in this moment. And if you'd like to give your life and your heart to Jesus, this is your time. If you're sitting on your couch with your family, you can pray in the silence of your heart. That's incredible. You can stand up, lift your hands to the sky, and pray out loud. However you want to do this moment, that's between you and God. But if you cry out to Jesus right now, I can tell you on the authority of God's word that you will be forever changed, not only in this life, but also in the life to come, because you'll be restored to God's original design of a relationship with him. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thanks for that cross again. God, we thank you that because of that cross, we've been invited back into relationship with you. And Jesus, I pray now for whoever that is on the other side of the screen, that they've never repented of their sin and they've never believed that you died on the cross for them. That in this moment right now, wherever they are, they'd cry out to you. God, they'd ask for forgiveness from their sin and they'd ask you to save their soul. And from this moment on, they would begin that journey with you of a life-pursuing fulfillment that's found in a relationship with God. God, thanks for the invitation. And I pray that many people take you up on the invitation today. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, Living Hope friends and family, uh, I say this from the bottom of my heart. 
my deepest desire is that you could be in the room with us today, gathered with us as we celebrate risen King Jesus. And I am praying so fervently that God allows that day to happen sooner than later. We're going to call today Easter 1.0 because the day that we get to gather together as a church family again, that's going to be Easter 2.0. And what a celebration that's going to be. Uh, I say from myself, Pastor Joe, uh, from our kids director, Nikki, many of our folks that have been working behind the scenes with all of this, uh, thank you, but also how much we love you as a church family. And we're praying today that you have an incredible Easter and we hope that we get to see you soon.